Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wool on us. Fighting and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. To be clear, this may be more like half a podcast or something. <laughs> uh, I've been really super busy lately and haven't been able to record new podcasts. And while I actually do have a whole bunch of them scheduled, I was realizing that it's really uh, a few weeks out until any of those are going to be recorded. Uh, but rather than leave you with absolutely nothing in the Tech Dirt podcast feed, we decided to replay an old episode, a very old one, actually, uh, but with a short discussion up top. Uh, then there may be a few weeks devoid of podcasts, but uh, they will be back soon. We'll be ready to go later this summer with a bunch of really interesting interviews. Uh, but the episode that we are going to replay is actually uh, from very long ago. It was our 14th ever podcast episode. And I actually forget what number we're, we're up to now, somewhere in the 300s. Um, and it is from over seven years ago, from March of 2015, talking about how a bunch of media companies had been promoting their own proprietary content management systems uh, and us exploring whether or not that made any sense or whether or not they should be using more open uh, and open source systems. The backdrop to that discussion was that I had mentioned that TechDirt was on its own home-built system uh, and that we were thinking about moving to WordPress. Though in that discussion, I note how difficult it is to migrate uh, with how much content we had and noting how much we actually really liked the features of our own homegrown system. So part of the reason that we're replaying it is because it took us until this year, seven years later, to actually make that shift to WordPress. And that was after uh, multiple, I would say, false starts, <laughs> a few years of false starts. And then finally, it only really became real once folks at Automatic, which is the company that makes WordPress, agreed to help us with the migration. And even then, it took more than two years to be able to migrate over. And even now, we're still fixing some small things to get it all to work the way we want, though it's we're, we're pretty close there. So I wanted to have a brief discussion here with Lee Beaton, who... Uh, helped manage the migration and just talking about our decision to move over to WordPress. And then we'll pass it on to that original podcast from seven years ago, uh, complete with the original music that we had, uh, which was also Dan Bull music that we used as a theme at that point, which I had totally forgotten we had done. And that was before he had written our own custom theme song, uh, also by Dan Bull, uh, which is what we've used ever since. <laughs> but Lee, welcome to the show. Hi. So, you know, I, I I just listened to that old podcast, the seven, the one from seven years ago, and I find it funny listening back to it. You know, I mentioned how we want to move to WordPress all the way back then. I had honestly kind of forgotten that we were thinking about it that far back. And I guess I, I should have known. Uh, and I think that all the reasons that I state in the podcast for why we wanted to move to WordPress still hold up today. Do you think that's true? 
Broadly, yeah. I mean, you know, it's I think you you talked about some of the reasons and then there was a whole discussion about the trade-offs there. And I think, you know, a whole lot of that is still very true. I mean, we, you know, our custom system was still working great for us in a lot yeah. of ways, but it, it felt in some ways like a disaster waiting to happen or something, you know, <laughs> like, like if, if one day it stopped working or it needed a big change or there was a security problem or something else, you know, it could be suddenly explode into like a mountain of work that we were not equipped <laughs> to do. Right. Um, yes. And, and then obviously also we had hit, you know, at least some dead ends in terms of being able to add features or make it work in different ways that we wanted to where you know at, at a certain point doing the things we wanted to do with our proprietary system would be just as complicated as migrating it to a more open system right so i think uh, yeah a lot of that equation holds up um you know a, as yeah. does the other side of it right you know there there was something nice about having our own system that was you know wholly yep. managed by us and people who knew it and the way we could go in and you know uh, uh, like wordpress makes it possible to change and do almost anything with it. Some of those things much easier because of how it's built. Some of them yep. more difficult and some things that might've actually been easy tweaks to our old system are a little bit more involved in WordPress. Cause you know, you're always um, hooking into how WordPress works and building on top of it rather than going in and modifying the very core engine that operates WordPress <laughs> itself. Right. And, and that's a big difference. Um, so, you know, yeah. a striking thing is that, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like that equation's changed a lot since that conversation seven years ago. There's upsides and downsides to both approaches and there's, you know, yeah, it, it's it, it's very much the same situation today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I, I I mean, I still think it was a good decision, but I think, you know, we're seeing that like we're, we're I'm, I'm really happy with the new platform and, you know, still getting used to it in some ways, but there are little things that I'm bumping up against where it's just like, oh, you know, it's really nice the way the old system did this. Like, why, why doesn't it work that way here? Yeah. And it's just like, well, you know, it's WordPress is different. <laughs> it doesn't, it can't quite, quite, can't quite do that. We might be able to replicate it, but you know, it's not going to, it's not going to be as quick or, um, you know, not going to be able to get the, the, the full exact same functionality the way we had it. Um, and so uh, there's some adjustment period, but I, you know, I still think that on the whole, it definitely made sense to make this shift because, you know, I think, you know, as you noted, sort of the downside risk of like, if something went catastrophically wrong, I think we, we would be in a lot more trouble if we had stayed on the old system than, than this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just kind of funny to realize how long we had been thinking about it. And, and, you know, I mean, it's also interesting listening back to the old podcast and I know people listening to this haven't heard it yet, or if they did, that was seven years ago, uh, you're about to listen to it again. We talk about all these, these other media companies that, that were announcing their own systems. And then sort of at the end of the podcast, I mentioned, like, it'll be interesting five years from now to see, you know, how well any of those do. Uh, and, you know, I think we, we just did a kind of quick look around um, and we talked about, you know, Vox has has a platform called, called Chorus, which I guess still exists. I see that they're advertising it, but I haven't heard anything about it. 
Um, so I don't, I don't, you know, they claim it's used by a whole bunch of sites, but I, I certainly haven't heard very much about it, but that's, that's still there. But another one we mentioned was that Mashable was creating their own and that seems to have disappeared as far as I can tell. Um, yeah, it, it can be so hard to tell because these things change names or they get rolled yeah. off into their own companies or, or you know, all, all these different things happen and it can be such a tangle sometimes. Yeah. I mean, that was the original topic of the podcast that we're replaying, right? Was, you know, what, what's the equation for big media organizations like that? Why are so many of them doing it? Do they, you know, there was this perception that was sort of in the title of the podcast, you know, is like, is it necessary to be a serious media organization or to be <laughs> right. taken seriously? Um, and in a lot of ways, it's just, you know, that's one more chapter in the saga of big media organizations never being quite sure what to do <laughs> uh, with the internet in a variety of ways, right? Which is something we've yeah. tracked. And not, not that all the media orgs we were talking about on the podcast were um, legacy from, you know, pre-internet media, True. but some were. Um, and certainly the other ones were sort of getting up to that scale where they're involved with similar, you know, similar investors, similar advertisers, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was, I think it was a different equation for tech dirt than for, you know, the Washington post or something. Right. Um, sure. and I think, you know, when you're talking about those big media organizations, then you get, you know, a bunch of sort of boardroom meetings to figure out what your strategy is going to be. It's not all necessarily based on the smartest equations of, of what the site really needs. Um, it is a funny thing really when you think about it, that, you know, this long into internet publishing, and, you know, the publishing of text articles and blogging and that being, you know, the the biggest activity on the Internet in a lot of ways that there isn't still a sort of simple answer to a lot of those questions, you know, unless that simple yeah. answer is WordPress, which it obviously is for a huge, a huge slice of the Internet um, with good reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting to me that that for as long as as WordPress has been such a such a major player in the space that they really. You know, there there are certainly others out there, many others, you know, honestly, and obviously some from these big companies and some other like open source ones. Um, but it feels like, you know, nothing has really caught on the way that WordPress has, which, you know, strikes me as that's, you know, it's kind of impressive how long WordPress has been sort of the, the kind of default uh, system that people go to. Yeah, um, I, I guess it sits in that perfect sweet spot of, you know, it, it does what you need it to do and it can with some coaxing do just about anything. Um, yeah. uh, you know, as a result, it's not everything, not even close to everything it does is the most efficient way that you could do that. And it, that's similar to what you were discussing on the podcast seven years ago, right? You know, there, right. there will be things that, that feel, uh, annoyingly difficult to do to establish them on existing technology <laughs> through its, through its means. But, you know, that's, that is the trade-off of, getting to do everything right um so you know yep. if you look at a platform like tech dirt's old one right obviously you know we started with something extremely simple and added features to it over the years sort of as they were needed which in, in many ways can result in a more efficient system you know only the stuff that needs to be done is there but then at a certain point after years and years of building that up now you've got old deprecated features that 
you don't really use anymore. They're still <laughs> lurking in the code or, or that not, nobody even really remembers how they worked or what they did or, yeah. you know, or something else realizes me, you know, over time you get a lot of bloat there, which is the same bloat you see in an open platform like WordPress, but there's maybe more thought going into it, into how to organize <laughs> those things and, and more awareness, you know, of what all those features are versus a sort of more ad hoc project over many years like TechDirt was, right? It's not like we ever had yeah. a full team of developers on top of the TechDirt platform for a long period of time, you know, right. aware of all of its nooks and crannies. Yeah, and I don't think we had very much documentation at all. No. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was all in the heads of like two or three people. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. there was an associated risk there as well. Um, anyways, yeah, it's, it's, it was just kind of funny to be looking back over the old podcast and to see that one, you know, just since, since we had just done this change and we're still sort of, you know, dealing with it and getting used to the new platform, um, which as I said, is, is really nice and, and is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the reason I am excited about it is it is going to let us do a bunch of things that I think we had determined were, were too much to do on the old platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. But, um, yeah. yeah, I think, cause I was looking at the time and I think what some or all of those old media organizations should have done instead of building their own proprietary publishing platforms is one of them just should have built a replacement for Google reader. And that would have been more interesting <laughs> and been more popular. And uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the funny thing is a few, a few organizations actually tried that, you know, yeah. Dick, Dig actually released a, uh, an RSS reader, which they had designed to be very much like Google Reader, and and that didn't last. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would have been interesting. I guess that now, um, uh, how am I blanking on their name? The um, Substack. Substack has launched a reader, which is really designed to push you into reading more newsletters on Substack, but actually is an RSS reader built in. So you can add other feeds as well. So they are going in that direction. So it's kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that takes off, though I guess, you know, that is potentially the hitch and the same as would have been the hitch if another newspaper had done it back then or something is, you know, being able to resist that first part about (laughs) your primary goal being pushing people to your own thing and and not having that faith that they will read your content because it's the best, but always wanting to prioritize it a little bit. And I think, you know, maybe that's part of why past reader replacements struggled too, not, not because of the people making them, but because it coincided with a time of, you know, a bit of yeah. a lean towards propriety amongst media organizations and not wanting to embrace uh, the sharing nature Perhaps. and syndication and stuff as much, but who knows that's, that's all getting a bit off topic, I guess, yeah. but I'm glad we still have RSS feeds for everything on tech dirt. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I think, I think it predated your, your time, but we had built our own RSS reader, um, which I really liked and, and used every day, which I thought was better than Google reader. Um, right. But, yeah, I think I've heard about that, but yeah, yeah, I think that I was that was it. definitely before your time. It was really cool, and it had a whole bunch of really nice features. But we ran into the exact same issue, which was it was it was actually a, a huge pain to upkeep, um, and and just you know for the fact that we had like five people using it, um, it was a lot of work. And you know we built it. I think we built it before Google Reader even existed. Um, and then, so like once Google reader was there and then a bunch of other products came along, it just, it was too much to, to keep up. But honestly, like there is a part of me that's like, goes back and says like, Hey, we should have released that as a product rather than just using it as an internal thing. But you know, that, that would have mm-hmm. been a huge project on its own. And 
Of course. Yeah. And then, you know, your upkeep needs expand even right. beyond that once you've got customers or, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. I really like that. We had, I have like one screenshot of it somewhere buried that I had found at one point. Um, and of course, now it looks really out of date because we were using that in the early 2000s. But we're getting off topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just supposed to be a very short intro. And so with that, I think what we can cut off this part of it. Uh, but, uh, and, and I'll pass you along to, to listening to the, the podcast we recorded seven years ago about all these media companies and their proprietary content management systems. So, uh, thanks. Thanks for listening and, uh, enjoy listening to this old podcast. Welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I am Mike Masnick. Once again, I want to thank all of you for your recent feedback and comments. We're trying our best to come up with interesting topics each week. So if you have any thoughts on discussions you think we should have, please let us know. Back in the 1990s, some people discussed how content was king on the internet, and there was a bit of a bubble in funding various internet media properties like Salon and Slate that still exist but never really took over the world. Then, for a while, investors stayed away from content plays, arguing that the real money was in platforms, not in the content itself. However, in the last few years, a new crew of content companies have sprung up, often with very big ambitions. And lately, they've been able to raise lots of money. BuzzFeed, Vox, Business Insider, and Mashable have all taken funding rounds lately that were unthinkable a decade ago. Well, this is very interesting for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is that we're in the content business ourselves. One thing that struck me is how many of these funding announcements focused on the proprietary content management systems and other technology that these companies have in place or that they are continuing to build. Vox has a content management system called Chorus that lots of people talk about. BuzzFeed proudly discusses how it built its entire system from scratch, both the content management system and the analytics packages. Mashable, which started on WordPress but then built out its own system on top of that, used its recent funding announcement to talk about how it would use the money to invest in its own proprietary technology called Velocity, which isn't so much a CMS, but more of a tool for predicting when things go viral. Business Insider doesn't seem to talk about its own content management system quite as much, but has said that it basically rolled its own as well. Here's the thing that's interesting to me. At TechDirt, we've basically been using our own homegrown content management system for years, we started way back in 1998 using the only blogging software that we could find at the time. This was before blogging was even a word. And the software that we used was Slashcode version 0.3, which at the time powered Slashdot. And it was a complete mess of Perl code that Dennis, the guy sitting to my right this very second, somehow massaged into a working site. Since then, tons of different blogging platforms have come and gone, and over time we basically moved off of Slashcode and onto our own proprietary platform. And for years, everyone told us what a stupid idea it was to have our own homegrown system, that it was an incredible liability rather than a good thing. 
Not only does it mean that anyone new we have working on the technology has to learn everything from scratch, but it also means that we can't make use of some of the cool apps, plugins, and other developments that others are building for, for the various open platforms. And this is why we've actually been planning to move to WordPress for some time, though there's a lot of heavy lifting to move a site that is nearly 20 years old to an entirely new platform. I asked around on Twitter a few weeks back why there was so much attention given to these other proprietary platforms and got back a variety of answers. Some pointed out that these companies felt they needed to have something proprietary so that they could try to, to attract investment at technology company multiples rather than media company multiples. Someone else said that these proprietary platforms are more real-time, but no one could explain what that even meant, and I have no idea. Someone who worked on the Vox Chorus platform said that other platforms couldn't rapidly build networks of tightly coupled media brands and communities, and again, I'm not entirely sure what this means. Now, having lived with this one on TechDirt, I can say that there are some advantages to having your own system. It certainly gives us tremendous flexibility, but frankly, the downsides and not being able to incorporate the work of others really holds that back sometimes. To discuss this today are Hirsch Reddy and Dennis Yang, and we're going to start with Dennis because he not only set up the original version of TechDirt and then helped us move to our own current proprietary system today, but he also encouraged us to look at moving to WordPress or other platforms years ago. So is the hype today about proprietary systems a lot of hot air, or do you think these sites have a good reason to focus on proprietary solutions? Yeah, so, so basically I remember way, way back when, when we were first kind of migrating from slash code and deciding what to do, yeah. and you know, that, that was probably back in 04, 05 probably. Somewhere around there, yeah. Um, gosh, like 10, 10 years ago. Time flies. Um, and... At that time, like, I mean, um, Matt Mullenweg was actually at that time a coworker of mine had seen that, and we were discussing it, and I was, we were all getting ready basically to kind of look into it. Um, but for one reason or another, um, we decided to roll our own. And, yeah. uh, and it was actually, in, in, if I remember correctly, it was, 10 years, it was over 10 years ago now. Um, it was mainly because the migration of the content yes. into the new system, we, you know, there was no slash to WordPress, you know, press of a button thing. And <laughs> right. it would have been a mess. It would have been a mess. And basically rolling our, rolling our own using the existing kind of content as it was stored in the database just seemed like a better and easier decision at the time. Mm -hmm. Now, in retrospect, I think, Mike, you and I kind of talked maybe a few weeks ago and I was, I was kind of looking back and, you know, one, one, of, one of the regrets, I was like, what would have happened... Mm -hmm. You know, if, if on that, in that project, and it only took, you know, a, a few, maybe a month or two to kind of roll that, that new system. Mm -hmm. Which um, is great, by the way. And, and <laughs> I, I mean, you know, we've been relying on that system for years and, and there are a lot of features to it that I really right. like and I haven't seen in other platforms. And, and the, the biggest custom feature that I saw that was missing from WordPress at the time um, was kind of the existence, the, this concept that we have called the, the writing room, mm -hmm. right? Where basically it's a multi-author system where in, that incorporates kind of workflow, you know, stories come, story pitches come in, they're written, um, the team looks at them, edits them, it goes back and forth, et cetera, until at some point the story is done and gets published. Right. right? Um, and that's one of the, the kind of integral parts of if you've ever written for TechDirt or people that write for TechDirt kind of are introduced to the, this writing room as 
that that's kind of one of the key pieces of the the content management system system mm-hmm. that we had put together. But what I was wondering was that you know what if we we really had kind of buckled down and said you know what we're going to do this in WordPress. WordPress has a fantastic kind of plug-in uh, infrastructure, and we're going to build the writing room into WordPress, right. and then everything else that WordPress is great at, you know, publishing, etc. Um, we can essentially leverage, right? Yeah. And then the pieces that we we built that we need for ourselves, we build as a as as a plugin. Yeah. Um, and I do really wonder if that was kind of a pivotal fork in the road that we decided to take to build our own, right? Which means that we have a fantastic system that we love at right. TechDirt that no one else uses. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's the um, other thing too, right? I mean, if, if we had done it on WordPress and still right. built the writing room ourselves, we also could have released it out into the world and other people right. could have made use of it. And, you know, you know there's, now there's Word, WordPress multi-user and, and multi-site, et cetera. And that really does fascinate me if I could rewind the clock, <laughs> develop the writing room in the WordPress ecosystem, yeah. right? Um, and then, then what happens, right? Then, then maybe Mashable would still be on it because they're they're like, you know what, this right this writing room plugin that we we we've grown to love and 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 use is really part of WordPress and we we like it, right? So who knows? So that that is that is a big big question that I have for myself. And 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 so it's just one of the other things that I noticed personally is that a lot of times when we were making decisions, not just on the overall platform, but even like elements of it or pieces that we wanted to to build into our system, we would look around and there would be nothing out there and then we would build it, right. you know, ourselves from scratch. And then 6 months later, almost right. you know, almost exactly every time that functionality would show up in WordPress or some other things. Right. Not always the same way that we implemented it and, and not always as good, but sometimes better. And over time, there would be improvements and then we would always sort of end up being kind of behind the times a little bit. Right, so, or, or ahead of the times. Well, we, the we time, wanted yeah. the sure. feature before it was ready and then six months to a year later... It appears. Right. So here's the thing. The grass is always greener. Right? You, you, you guys happen to have rolled your own set of, of, of tools, sure. right? And, and this happens over and over again in tech, and it's not just in publishing, right? When you have a choice between an external tool and an internal tool, at right. the end of the day, it actually boils down to, to one sort of axis of headaches, right? Mm-hmm. And on the one really extreme, when you adopt someone else's tool, a lot of times portions of that technology work from the point of view of your own engineers, as a sort of magic. They don't quite <laughs> understand everything that's going on in the code. It's usually a huge code base because it's not doing exactly what your organization wants. It's doing a whole bunch of stuff that an entire community wants to do. Right. So when you want to add something really simple, like your common community edit room, it might seem like a very straightforward thing to do in right. your own package. It's very complicated to do sometimes in, a, in, in, an, in another architecture like WordPress. Although WordPress right. does have plugins, so it might be a little bit simpler. But even then, I would suggest sometimes there'd be some weird edge cases. Right, but, but I think that that's that's the the frustration I have when I'm when I'm engineering or when someone talks to me about something, whenever they come to me with and start the question with, "Hey, how how hard would it be to blah 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 whatever," that to me is I I, I always take a pause there because I'm just like, <laughs> "How hard is not is not the right question." And right? I, like, I, I I'll, let me put my hand up here virtually for the people listening because I. <laughs> Often went to Dennis with that question <laughs> because the, the the problem isn't or or even worse is is it possible to to do this <laughs> also right? guilty right. and as an engineer you know the answer to is it possible is always 
Yes, right? Right. But is it possible and would it be a good idea to do this on a long-term basis, you know, with separating ourselves from updates of, you know, this huge developer community, et cetera? You have to make sure you're framing the question properly. And I think that um, one of the things that when people look at something like a WordPress or, for example, something on the e-commerce side like a Shopify, you're like, hey, how come it doesn't have this seemingly simple solution? It's because, you know, when you're developing a product that serves the needs of millions of customers, um, it's very, very different to make a decision that to implement a so-called simple feature, which then has several ramifications down the line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I've, you know, and it's interesting because now I've, I've done a few companies since TechDirt now, and for the most part, the prototype that I build a lot of times is using WordPress mm-hmm. um, for many things. And then at some point, I, I reluctantly have decided again to to roll my own CMS and right. and I I'm still trying to figure out why I keep going down that path but it's exact Hirsch it's, it's this exact kind of like tension between trying to shoehorn what you're trying to do into the, an existing platform versus spending the resources to develop a custom solution which a lot of times you it's great you get exactly what you want but the problem is you got exactly what you wanted and um, you have to pay for it. You know, but there's some advantages too, right, of using something like WordPress. Because you're using something that has such a large community, it's mm-hmm. easier to get engineers to work piecemeal on things. Right. It's easier to get a host that really knows how to run the back end for you and things like that versus your very custom thing that you've done. On the flip side, I think when you take something that is that old and mature, the expectation of you as sort of the owner of a business is, that, hey, this thing is old. It must be like really <laughs> battle-tested, right? right? But sometimes it's actually with software, it's the exact opposite. Rather than being sort of battle tested you have all these little weird corner cases that no one has really exercised and they're all potential security headaches right sure because this thing has been growing for years and in in, in that sort of a situation i mean i can totally understand people like mashable and buzzfeed etc being like look for us, technology is like is not just this 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 you know thing that our reporters use every day. It's like this this point of like 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 competitiveness, right? Sure. Like, of like a real edge for us. Like get you know whether it is com- you know collaboration tools or getting stories out faster or just presenting uh, related stories to users or something like that in some very specific way. They want to do things and be able to modify things very quickly with the engineering team they have, mm-hmm. and they want to be able to choose the you know something as, as simple as a the, the programming language. If you choose WordPress, you're stuck with PHP, right? Like, right? right? And and like, I mean, nobody starts a project today and says, "Hey, I'm going to use PHP," right? Maybe except for <laughs> Facebook. But but like, most people are like, yeah. "We're going to use Go. We're going to use something, you know, right. something else," right? I mean, uh, I think that I I I wonder if that's very kind of valley centric. Like, I yeah, think PHP, PHP is no, that they made it very valley centric. Yeah, Actually, is, that, is that'd alive be, and well for for like it or not, you know, well, and, and, worse, I mean, it's so. funny too because right. So I even you know I brought up in the intro and then you brought it up too, like this idea that like so if you use WordPress, um, you know, it's easier to to attract engineers because you know people know WordPress. But then you know when I brought this up on Twitter, somebody actually made the exact opposite point, which was that oh, you know, the reason all these these companies are building their own is because engineers want to work on something cool and new. 
new and they don't want to work on the same old thing that they've worked on before. You, you know, actually, I, sh- I should actually concede to what, say, what Dennis said. It is a very Valley-centric thing. If you want to get these like prima donna programmers, <laughs> divas, uh, yeah. then, then you, you, need to, you can't be doing this work. They want to make their own thing. On the other hand, if you just want people that show up for work and get your site working, it's probably right. right. PHP is probably, it's not very fancy or, you know, like sexy that way, but, right. but, but here's the here, here's, But it works, it, it which, works. Is, which well, is kind of what a PHP developer... <laughs> it, 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 well, it quote unquote works. Here's, here's the thing cool. with, with language like PHP, right? <laughs> like, like new technology, even regardless of what fun people poke at like Silicon Valley companies, right? Uh-huh. Like, like new technology usually comes about because of some fundamental issue with old technologies, right? And, and, and one of the things people found with making these really large systems using PHP and things like that is that it's, it's, it's quite hard to run a large team using mm-hmm. languages like PHP or even Python to some extent, right? Like these untyped languages because um, they allow you to make a lot of a whole class of mistakes that you can't make with sort of stricter, uh, sure. maybe more trendier languages, right? W- w- you know? so, so that to some extent might make it so that in the long run, your organization maybe runs a little more smooth, smoothly, has less breaks in it. This is all, you know, this is all like... like Theoretical, right? Like I, I have no idea. Like I have, I haven't seen, any, I, I haven't seen any like real hard data that shows, you know, like that PHP websites are going to necessarily be have more faults per, you know, but that's thousand lines of code. Part of the reason anything. you're on the podcast is your willingness to go yeah. off on something without having seen the data. Yeah. So, so I, I don't think the data exists. That's the problem, right? Yeah, yeah. No. Actually, I think there might be one. There might be one. There might be one. But, but I mean, you know, you know, to some extent, like, let me go like the real extreme in the other direction. Okay. Right? Like, there's a whole research project in uh, in Oxford University, I think it is, where these guys are creating these things called unikernels, right? Which are basically instead of having an entire operating system and, and writing. Uh, uh, an application in something like PHP that then runs on t- on top of some uh, a web server, which then runs on top of an operating system. Actually, excuse me, that then runs in, in on some operating system in a virtual machine and all these things. Rather than all that, you write this piece of code that doesn't even run on an operating system. It runs exactly on the bare metal, right? And it's called right. a unikernel, mm-hmm. and it does exactly one thing, the one thing that your website needs it to do. It doesn't run a whole operating system. It has a much smaller surface area that people can hack. Um, and... They on top of that they make they make you write the application in this in this really esoteric language called OCaml, which is like is is very good at uh, writing you know verifiably correct code in a okay. sense. So you make like these military grade applications you just can't be hacked, right? And and it seems like a good idea to a lot of people because they, they create these basically web servers that are like you know one thousandth the size of a conventional web server, and they and they're they're so fast that you can uh, you get so much efficiency out of them, etc. But the problem is with those things is you go out there and you try to get two programmers tomorrow to help you build this thing. You won't find them. Right. Right. You literally have to go to Oxford University <laughs> or maybe find like some, some, some guy in his basement in Silicon Valley that hasn't already been hired by Google or Facebook. You know, some genius who's, who's who really with, with right, this right. kind of stuff. It's called Mirage OS, by the way, if anybody wants to Google it. But, um, you know, those, those, I, but having said that, those are the kinds of technologies, like, you know, at one point, Python, which is one of the most popular 
languages now, right, right for the web, mm-hmm. was like this really rare thing to the extent that people would say, hey, you know how you can identify a really good programmer? Look to see if there's Python on his resume. And that used to indicate, wow, this guy's really into programming languages and therefore hire him, right? right. And now look, like, like 10 years later, or even seven years later, it's like the exact opposite. Everyone's got Python. It's taught in all the universities. And so I think in the same way, those really weird things like Mirage OS that seem like ridiculous will be in the future like sort of ubiquitous. And then when you're on something like WordPress where it's really hard to pull your data off of it, you know, uh, you're going to be kind of stuck in like dinosaur like, you know, like, like when you look at a website, like let's say LexisNexis, the local uh-huh. website yeah. or, or, or Westlaw, they have these really archaic websites with like this, like uh, maybe they've improved it since I was, went to law school, but they, they look like they're throwbacks. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you wonder why. And it's because they, they're built on all these old proprietary, uh, you know, these, these frameworks and they, and it's hard to pull your data out. Right. You know, so, but, you know, so it, making the technology choice that sounds really ridiculous today might actually be the right thing to do in some ways. Well, it depends if the, if the, the approach, I mean, assumedly the approaches that we're making now have evolved, you know, right. s- since we've been doing this 10, 10 20 years ago. Um, so I mean, the, the first version of, of TechDirt was written, was, you know, that code was written before MySQL had a concept of, of a key. Yeah, right. Um, which is a very fundamental concept in a relational database, um, and that said, you know, all the new the new projects I'm doing now are basically storing data in like NoSQL databases, which is fab, right. like amazing because you can just change kind of schemas on the fly, which is really great. Um, now we're getting super technical here, but no, but but, but my, yeah. I mean, the the question is, you know, like I don't, I'm not a dogmatic kind of language programming language person by any means. Um, you know, I've, I've done PHP, now I've done Ruby, I've, now, I'm, now I'm working in Node, Node.js, and like, I just do what works, right? right. And for me, that, that's kind of the, the, biggest, so, the, big, the biggest question that I'm trying to solve, which is what's the most efficient way to solve a problem today without, and typically I'm building new, brand new companies, so I'm hoping that my code is still around 10 years from when I write it, and right. I guess... Yeah, <laughs> in my case, <laughs> with TechDirt, um, it is. But you know, for better or for worse, and in some cases, I mean, it's good. But so yeah. going, but going back to this point, right? Do 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 you either of you think that any of these the media companies specifically that I'm talking right. about are realistically getting any true advantage from building a proprietary system? I mean, they need to spend that money that they just raised, right? <laughs> right. But, but that's the question. Is it just for the sake of, of raising the money? You need an excuse to go out and raise money. I'm sure they're getting some value. The, really, yeah. the, the question is, is, are they getting enough value that it offsets all the other you know, headaches? Right. You know, that's like, and, and I think that basically it's like, maybe, right? <laughs> um, sure. And they have maybe just enough rope you know, with which to hang themselves, Um if they if they didn't have those resources, right? Mm-hmm. Would would you choose to spend money on more content and better writers, or would you spend money on trying to rearchitect your entire technical backend and your CMS, right? Right. That those are the kinds of questions that I would expect, and, you know, and you know, to, to be asking extent. if I were an investor, be like, hey, we're going to give you a bunch of these, you know, bunch of money. Really, is is spending the money on your platform going to be better served than than spending it on your content or 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 your marketing or promotion or something? Right. right. Yeah, um, and some some of that just gets to what investors look to invest in, and a lot of it is you know platforms and stuff. And even like you know when right. when the investment in BuzzFeed was made, um, you know one of the investors, Chris Dixon, talked about how 
you know, he really viewed BuzzFeed as a technology platform yeah. rather than a content company. I mean, CNET rolled out. Do you remember a vignette? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Way back when? I do. Um, All too well. I, I had a used vignette at one point. But we're we're running out of time, so let, let's do sort of final wrap-up thoughts in terms of um, proprietary versus open systems for uh, content management or, or for other platforms. Um, I think I talked about enough random <laughs> random gibberish today. That probably I'll, I'll maybe make one last solid point, which is um, you know one other thing to keep in mind is the fact that um, you know from a security point of view, when you're when you're rolling your own thing, mm-hmm. uh, on the one hand, your stuff is obscure, and so that you you know people won't necessarily know if there's any vulnerabilities. Versus when you're on something like WordPress. Everybody finds out on day one that there's a you know some kind of vulnerability, and everyone has to run and patch it before you right. know all the script kitties jump on your website and wreck <laughs> you know cause mayhem. On the other hand, it gets fixed then, and then you can be confident. Whereas you never know all the bugs that are right. on yep. your own proprietary thing. So that's something to keep in mind as well. That's one last point. Yeah, I mean, there. from where 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 I sit, you know, there's there's so much amazing code out there, and you know, WordPress in particular is one of my, one of my favorite platforms on which to build. Um, to build your own, you really have to take a hard look as to, as far as like, do I do you really, really, really need to to be building in a complete system, and and why not just stand on the shoulders of giants and and yeah. that way you can focus on truly building your business and not you know not every company, most companies that I'm seeing today are not technology companies, and there's no need to be, and that's kind of the amazing thing. Like imagine if you had to rebuild the whole internet for every new company you're building now. That that's ridiculous, right? right? So. Um, and that way you can focus on solving the, the problems that you actually have and not the ones that you kind of wish you really had, you wish you had, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I see that. And, and so my, my final thoughts, I think, are along the same lines and that I think that it's, it's interesting, but some of it, I think, is really just trying to justify the, the money that, that was raised. Yeah. And that's it. I'd love, I'd love to take a look at their platforms yeah. and see what they've done. Yeah. I mean, it would be interesting. And again, you know, I mean, and some of them now talk about like, you know, planning to license their platforms out. And there's been rumors about Vox doing that for a while. And even like the Washington Post is now talking about licensing out their content management system and who knows what. But, you know, the thing that I wonder is, you know, when those those platforms are limited to the developers that they've hired, even if they're funded by lots of venture capital money, you know, five years from now, we're going to be talking about how all of these companies are held back by their proprietary systems, whereas other companies that have leapfrogged them right. are able to Yeah, do but will they, they won't leapfrog them on WordPress. I think mean, they'll leapfrog them on some other new thing it's, that came it's out. It's right? entirely possible. That, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't deny that. But I wonder if we'll be hearing stories of, you know, the migration that Vox has to do to some new platform five years from now when they outgrow Chorus or something. Anyways, uh, that's it for today. Uh, This was a fun discussion, a little bit different, and thanks for joining us. Bye. It's been said that the first casualty of war is truth, and I'm inclined to agree. Listen, we live in an age of instant information, so isn't it strange that things have been hidden away from us? Governments think we need to gain their trust, but it's the other way around. Just take a look. Nothing tells us more than war data does, so it's important it's all available to us. Plus, put up for debate and looked at by the public's gaze, because there's a lot.